0: The TNT shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink. The TNT shop has it all at TNTradio.live. Tyler Nixon has the power of information. Today's News Talk, TNT.
1: Happy Friday, my friends. Welcome to the Tyler Nixon Show for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Fifty years ago today, on Sep excuse me on February twenty third, nineteen seventy four, my brother Sandon was uh, was born, and uh, he's been my one of my my best friend, I should say, uh, my entire life. And I want to wish him a happy fiftieth birthday. And for the Australian uh, audience uh, and, and uh, crew, he's actually named after uh, uh, Fred Stolle, the uh, tennis uh, Australian tennis pro's uh, son, Sandon Stolle. And, uh, my parents were very good friends, uh, back in the 1970s, uh, with Rod Laver and John Newcomb and Roy Emerson. Well, not so much Emerson, but, uh, Newcomb certainly, and, and Laver, uh, and had a chance to, uh, we actually had a place in uh, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, uh, um, and, uh, on Palmetto, it's called Palmetto Dunes was the actual, uh, uh, resort, but it was, uh, a, a little condo that was three doors down from, uh, from Rod Laver's place. And, uh, the uh Lever emerson tennis uh, uh sort of uh franchise was uh set up there and my father was almost semi-pro tennis player so he, we had a lot of interactions with uh with the great rod labor and uh again newcomb uh and actually rod labor came to our house in wilmington delaware um, uh, my dad had a bet with uh howdy giles another uh a fellow dentist um or uh giles might have been a doctor not a dentist but um uh, it was sort of a bet as to who, which, which of the two could get their, their favorite pro, uh, uh, sports, you know, player who's a friend of theirs to the, uh, to their house first. And, um, in the case of, uh, uh howdy Giles, his, his good friend was, uh, Jack Nicklaus and, uh, my dad's good friend was Rob labor. And of course my dad won that bet labor came to the uh, house and it was a, it was a great time. Um, and, uh, I, we have a special fondness for Australia and, uh, in my family, obviously, and great pictures, uh, which, uh, some, someday soon here on, uh, one of the Tyler Nixon shows I'll share with the audience, but I wanted to wish my brother, uh, a great man, a good man who I, uh, I hope to have on the show here someday, a happy 50th birthday. So it has been quite the week. Uh, CPAC is underway right now in, uh, uh, just, uh, just, uh, uh, south of Washington D.C. and Maryland, uh, a really probably the premier annual gathering, uh, the, the powerhouse networking event for um, for conservatives, for many libertarians, for obviously MAGA folks. Um, it is uh, really, really the place to be. Uh, For this uh, for basically Wednesday through Saturday, President Trump is going to be speaking there to cap off the conference tomorrow, I believe at noon, which uh, coincides with the South Carolina primary, which I believe he will uh, trounce uh, Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, uh, and will be probably an embarrassing uh, route for her in her own state. Uh, But I think uh, with the people behind her, the never Trumpers and the money flowing in whatever their end game is, it doesn't seem that she'll be dropping out even if she loses her her own state, which uh, kind of gives you a sense of the arrogance of power of people who back uh, the Nikki Halleys of the world where the popular uh, support, popular consent doesn't really doesn't really mean anything to them. They're gonna they're gonna continue forward uh, seeking that power, putting themselves themselves in, in the mix, regardless of uh, how many spankings or smackdowns they get from uh, from the, uh, citizens, you know, from the electorate, uh, who are obviously minor, you know, just a sort of a speed bump in the, in the, uh, path and the quest for, uh, power. And, uh, so CPAC is, uh, also hosting many, many speakers. I had, uh, I had plans to attend this year, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, hopefully next year I'll make it there. Uh, if you had been, uh, watching any of the coverage, um, uh, the, uh, I believe El Salvador and president Bukele just gave, uh, or this morning gave a stem winder of a speech really laying out Western civilizations, uh, values, uh, just the, the core values that hold together, uh, what I would call a, um, a free and, uh, a civilized society, a civil society, uh, not, not to be confused with a progressive uh ver- version of uh, a society or a utopia uh, in which the state is is uh rides over everyone there is no uh, the family units broken up and basically all the things that we see uh being insinuated into uh, our our culture and our uh our society these days um with the breakup of the uh, family unit and the breakdown of the family unit with government taking over so many functions, um, you know, insinuating itself into education, using education as an indoctrination system rather than a, uh, a sort of a a, a cultivation uh, center or facility for people to open their minds and, uh, and learn how to learn, learn how to be critical thinkers. That's not valued anymore, it's all about uh, basically repeating the woke indoctrination that they're given um and making mush of people's minds and ultimately what would be the degradation uh disintegration of societies we know it, as civilization as we know it uh probably regressing towards uh towards more medieval i hate to say it uh uh, uh sort of environment if you look at uh, their energy policy on the left certainly they would have us uh you know living off uh, wood wood fired uh stoves and uh, by candlelight at best uh, you know it seems they they really they really seem to have an issue with uh, the exploitation uh, uh, and the uh, use of energy uh, it, you know it seems like they just uh, are willing to I, I think I think what it is is they're, they're not at all uh, They they have no clue of what they speak as Ronald Reagan once said it's not that my my liberal friends are wrong it's just they know so much that isn't so and that's a perfect way to put it. Uh, I think these folks. I mean, you have you have someone like, say, an Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who's basically a scrub woman, a, a barmaid, a, uh, who is weighing in on energy policy, weighing in on climate policy or climatology, uh, and purporting to have sort of silver bullet solutions and and making gloom and doom predictions. And she has no clue of. She probably doesn't even know how to gas up her car. Uh, if she can't even drive I mean it's just it's laughable how politics somehow uh, empowers uh, people to think that they have some sort of acquired expertise just by virtue of the fact that they've been put into this position uh it's like you know if I if I hang a uh a, a shingle outside my door that says dentist then come on in I'll you know I'll drill you up good I mean it's 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 frightening and I would say the epitome The one person who actually epitomizes this is the senile dementia patient at the top, Joe Biden. Joe Biden has always stepped up and insinuated himself as an expert on the Constitution, on foreign policy, on uh, the judicial process. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden was the best a C-minus student, uh, you know, sort of a a third-rate intellect and someone who uh, could BS better than he could uh, think and <clears throat> was really not very deep. He could memorize uh, talking points. He could sort of uh, read briefing books and, and regurgitate various lines and sort of make him sound. Uh, and of course, bluster and bombast and demagogue any issue to uh, garner attention to himself. But you scratch the surface there. And this is really, really not, this is really a dumb, dumb person, uh, really stupid and dangerous because uh you know the stupid people that have infected, infested politics and these uh, positions of great consequence that used to be uh, inhabited by people who at least had a even even down to people who were just say gentlemen farmers or uh, didn't have a formal education but nonetheless were extremely well schooled in the Constitution, in the classics, in uh, the philosophies of Western civilization, and all of those underpinned what they did. They were thoughtful. I mean, nowadays, I mean, we have people who are, their, their uh, primary source of information is TikTok. So, and these are people in positions of consequence, uh, positions of purported authority throughout the government. And it's it's frankly downright scary. It's terrifying. And I think ultimately uh, taking the optimist view, the eternal optimist that Ronald Reagan was, the incompetence, this, the total, uh, the ones who aren't faking it I think what you had within, uh there's we're sort of at a decision point or a fork in the road where you had a millennial generation who very much sort of is in the mold of the baby boomers. They're very arrogant. They're very self-important. Uh, they view themselves as entitled, uh, spoiled really is what it comes down to. They're very spoiled. And the next generation coming after that, you can either have a generation that throws off. That uh, that notion of this entitlement and these people who are uh, clearly uh, more uh, more uh, inflated than they actually uh, can live up to, who are uh, self promoting, sort of narcissistic, the you know just, just just what you see popular culture has descended into. People, it's all about attention. It's all about likes. It's all about uh, you know me me me. And no substance to back it up. nothing you know that no no accomplishment, no achievement. They want to be famous for the sake of being famous. They want to be in the spotlight. And they think that being in the spotlight or being achieving this this sort of vacuous fame entitles them to positions of authority and that we should listen to what their prescriptions are for any particular problem facing the world. and it's ludicrous. And I think the generation following the Millennials, uh, Gen Z is, uh, as I, as I understand the, uh, the, uh, data and the polling is rapidly moving towards conservatism towards more traditional values towards really eschewing the sort of narcissistic self-absorbed me, me, me type of uh, ethos that you find in baby boomers that you find in many millennials. And look, I'm speaking broadly. I don't mean there, there's plenty of good, good people in both of those generations, but the prevailing sort of, uh, uh, thrust of those generations is definitely one of arrogance, uh, self-importance, and narcissism. And we see the results and we see the uh, the consequences of all that as uh, so many traditional institutions are just uh, battering rammed in order for these people to be able to uh, carry out whatever lunatic, um, uh, arbitrary, Ad hoc ideology or uh, dogma that they have come up with that day, or that they've uh, heard on TikTok, whether it be the trans stuff, the you know the, the gender bending stuff, um, all all of it really. I mean, the climate uh, climate alarmism and extremism. Um, it's all very directed towards ultimately their aggregation of power and the ability to control people. And I think the fork in the road is that you know what we're well whether these generations uh, that, you know, the up and coming generations are going to embrace a, what will have to be a fully authoritarian, if not totalitarian type of uh, system and, and sort of a general uh, governing uh, principles, whatever you want to call it, sort of a paradigm, I guess it would be the best word for it, or whether they're going to throw that off. They're going to reject that. And they're going to say, we're not buying into this. We, we have so many options. We have a, a a whole wide world of choices and options and uh, different ideas and uh, diversity, let's just say, which is what they claim to, uh, you know, the the left and the sort of authoritarian, the totalitarians claim to be all about, but um, diversity in every way that really is not the essence of diversity. You know, they want diversity of, quote, skin color or different cultures, but really diversity of thought, diversity of ideas, that's where it's at. And, um, I think Gen Z and the following generations. It's I, I analogize this sometimes to the uh, the healthcare debate that we hear. Uh, for example, you hear Bernie Sanders and other uh, socialists talk about single payer. We would need single payer healthcare. We need to we need to consolidate this and run it through one massive bureaucracy. They don't say massive, but one bureaucracy, one uh, government uh, government agency or bureau that'll take care of all this. That'll make sure that everybody gets the healthcare they need. Uh, And, you know, we're entering an age in which you have literally unlimited numbers of options in terms of, think think of the internet. I mean, there's probably, what, billions of websites at this point, billions of different uh, ideas. Everybody can differentiate and individuate themselves uh, in this internet age um, and tailor everything that they interact with to, to their preferences, to what suits them, to what best serves their needs. And to the idea that we should turn our healthcare system into DMV, where you get to stand in line to be doled out basically a cookie cutter, uh, deficient plan or deficient uh, benefits, uh, and often totally at the whim of whoever's whatever uh, disgruntled, uh, you know, lax days ago, third rate uh, government bureaucrat you happen to have to encounter. And um, I, I just have hope that uh, there's too many options. There's too many uh, possibilities. People uh, have been awakened. You know, it used to be you have to go to without the internet. I mean, you, you were limited to what you could read in a library, which you could read in newspapers and magazines. Now it's literally just unlimited what the information uh, people can access. I think there might have been a and an overload initially uh, in, the, in, say, these first few decades of the internet's uh, 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 ubiquitous, uh, its proliferation. And I think we've seen the initial authoritarian impulses that have insinuated themselves into it. But by its very nature, um, with its ability to have so many avenues and different uh, sort of cubby holes and uh, whatever you want to call it, um, just paths and routes for people to, again, differentiate, individuate, uh, distinguish themselves that there's no chance that you can sustain some sort of one-size-fits-all authoritarian or totalitarian imposition or regime. And it's doomed ultimately uh, to the, just like every other totalitarian uh, scheme or ideology to the dustbin of history. And let's hope that's the case. And it's just gonna require, I think, the next generation, the Gen Z and beyond to step up and realize that they do have the power and the people um, and not to, to listen to These uh, feckless, um, vacuous politicians and uh, electeds uh, who are uh, driven by narcissism and greed and uh, would, frankly, not give a rats you know what to see anybody else uh, uh, burn at the stake, frankly, the way they talk these days. If it means uh, perpetuating their own power, we see this with uh, their treatment of Donald Trump. But that being said, uh, we've got a great guest coming up. Manila Chan is a uh, in, an independent journalist who I've come to know, a uh, very interesting lady. And uh, we're gonna have a great little conversation to wind out the week on the Tyler Nixon Show. You're watching today's news talk, lighting the fuse of freedom. Don't go away. TNT's Jeremy Nell. He was saying to me how he has found himself
0: trying to unlearn and relearn a lot of what he thought he knew thanks to the COVID era. And that's precisely echoing what i've been saying and i su- suppose millions of people have been saying that isn't that remarkable
2: you know second world war was obviously a major societal event and in global event etc you know and, and this in a way what we've been through for the last four years seems to be is you have to go back to the second world war to find something similar for people of our generation um and all people in the
0: west at least Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live.
2: Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant, TNT. TNT.
1: Right back into it, coming to you here Live on today's news talk, the Tyler Nixon show, my guest for the rest of the show, Manila Chan is a uh, investigative journalist. Well, you're an independent journalist and entrepreneur and someone who has had a story career, very interesting career, international media executive and and uh, lived in uh, Dubai for a number of years and uh, is has is very familiar with the D.C. Swamp, but also spent time in California and out in crunchy uh, granola uh gritty, gritty uh California of, of your not <laughs> quite the same as it was. Manila, welcome to the Tyler Nixon show.
3: Hey Tyler, thank you for having me. This is weird being on this side, you know, not not hosting something. Yes. I just gotta yes. put that out there.
1: <laughs> you get to be a little more freewheeling, right? You can you can let, let your hair down and cut loose a little bit, I hope. So, I don't know.
3: That uh, makes me a little nervous. I gotta say.
1: <laughs> that's well. That's our. It's our aim here. We want our guests to be nervous and uh, and uh, scared. Um, no, but seriously. Uh, so, just quick, uh, run down your background uh, in journalism and uh, your you know education, just uh, so the audience knows uh, where you're coming from.
3: Uh, so I was I was born and raised in California, the first American born. Um, in my entire family and my entire lineage um, immigrants from Laos and before that immigrants from China um so and and immigrated the quote unquote proper way might I add they waited in refugee camps and you know the, during the the communist onslaught as well as the the uh, CIA secret bombing campaign in Laos in the 60s and 70s they waited legitimate. Their time, got-
1: Legitimate refugees, if there ever yes. were any, fleeing communism. I mean, real yes. honest-to-God communism.
3: Yes, and as well as, so if communism wasn't enough, as well as the secret bombings that continued for almost a decade. So they had two reasons to flee. And so they found their way um, by sponsorship of the Catholic Church into California. And out comes Manila, uh, the very <laughs> first American-born in the entire entire family. So there's a whole you know, load, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a load bearing column in my family. You know, there's <laughs> all the kids looked up to me. You know, I'm, I'm the one everyone had to use as an example, which was, yeah, How that's many not kids? pressure. Well, not just me and my brother, but then my mom was one of seven. So there's, oh, gosh, and, wow. and she's an, an older kid. So a lot of younger cousins. So everyone's like, she's got to do good. You got, I mean, you add the normal Asian pressures, right. Of like Asian <laughs> parenting. And right. then you add the whole first American in the family. Um, so I had a lot riding on my back. But unfortunately for them, I did not grow up to become a doctor or a lawyer or you know some uh, import export business entrepreneur. I grew up to be a journalist. That's what I wanted to do my whole life. Um, and, the you know, the, from the first time I saw, I guess, Connie Chung's face on TV and went, wow, that's a lady that looked like me. The one lady that was on TV. Then I admired Barbara Walters, you know, going to sit with Fidel Castro and the old news, the news of, of yesteryear.
1: <laughs> that's yes, not the news yes.
3: anymore. Went to and college, born leg- and raised in California. So everything was there in California where actually President Nixon grew up uh, in Whittier, Whittier, California.
1: That's where you grew up.
3: Yeah, born and raised.
1: Wow. Okay. I, I didn't, I did not know that. That's excellent.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I, before long, um, because it is Hollywood, I will say that the powers that be, or maybe because, you know, thanks to Wayne's World circa 1994, by the time I, you know, got to high school, you know, people, you know, the, the whole Asian lady thing that, I won't get into that because I don't think it's that kind of show, Tyler. But um.
1: <laughs> hey, we, no, we, we're lighting the fuse for freedom up in here. So you know, you 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 let it let it rip. It's Friday. Uh, we're having fun with it. It's true. So it's true. Go but go I, for I it. Say, I, I mean, really.
3: When because because of Wayne's World, I know this is a goofy a goofy thing to to bring up, but you know, before like I said, there was Connie Chung, and then there was nobody else, right? In in media that looked like me, and then Tia Carrera came on the scene. And um, for Hollywood, I mean, one side is journalism, the other side is Hollywood.
1: And yeah, then there's for sure
3: Tia Carrera. She kicked down the the doors for all Asian women, I would say, in in mainstream and Hollywood media. Um, and then you know, by the time I, I wrapped up high school in the '90s, and I wanted to go into journalism, there were there were opportunities that laid ahead, I thought, for people that looked like me, uh, thanks to those two, I would say, you know, powerful women, and. However, being born and raised in Los Angeles, they wanted me, they, agents and what have you, they want you, because you look a certain way and it, maybe that's the hip look at the time, they want you to go into like Hollywood journalism. journalism. Um, you know, the TMZ types and TMZ didn't right. exist. Right, Entertainment
1: in the Tonight period. back then, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. And I that's just not what I wanted to do. When I was in college, I thought I was going to, jump out of airplanes into Somalia. Right. And you know, huh. just that's what I thought I was going to do, Tyler. I didn't think I was going to, you know, grow that's up. That's almost, almost what
1: I was actually doing. <laughs> but
3: yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. You didn't, let me
1: tell you, you didn't miss anything, Manila. I well, think you, you I made mean, you made wise choices.
3: I, I don't know. I've, I've made some choices. Uh, I never got to jump out of planes. Uh, <laughs> and never instead, too late. You know, uh, uh, I've, I've got reason so, to stay alive now.
1: Okay, yeah. Some people will call us crazy for jumping out of a perfectly yes. good aircraft, but uh, I digress.
3: That that is exactly it. So now I've settled on Washington D.C. Uh, being in the swamp for the past decade, I'm a I'm a married mom of one. I have a one child policy of my own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is where I'm at now, and I've I've watched the the degradation of this industry from the inside out. I've watched how they've colluded with uh, the politicians and, and the powers. And and this is, you know, the the once upon a time, 20 plus years ago, when I dreamt of being in this industry, it was because I wanted to be a thorn in the side of the powers of the elites. I didn't care who was in office. I didn't care if they wore a red jersey or a blue jersey. It just didn't matter to me. I liked poking at the beehive, right? That's just the kind of kid I was. I wasn't the obedient. I feel bad for my parents. I wasn't the obedient good Asian kid in that sense.
1: (laughs) No, that's a good thing. I mean, obviously, you know, Barbara Walters, whatever you think of Barbara Walters, maybe later in life, she was, you know, a little bit, uh, I I think a lot of those um, legacy greats sort of slouched into this, the default liberal position. uh, And, and, you know, we're very, very skeptical and if not hostile to a rising, say conservatives or libertarians, that being said though barbara walters was always like i mean she was known for her hard-hitting yet uh appealing interviews in other words she wasn't yes. she wasn't she wasn't a bitch on wheels she was able to get great <laughs> interviews but ask the hard questions and i think connie chung too so i mean we don't have that much so much anymore now it's just like i mean you look at some of these cnn interviews like uh i remember the donald trump's uh town Hall he did cnn i don't know why they decided to do one but I mean that you know that the the, uh, the moderator, a, a female CNN journalist—I mean, I've used that term loosely—was like practically barking at him and cutting him yes. off and debating him. It's like that's not how you do. That's not how you do this. You know, you have to look to someone like a Barbara Walters or uh, any of the great uh, interviewers of that era who knew how to just ask a simple question and bore right, right to the center of the uh, the nub of the issue or the, uh, the controversy, not have to sit and Hector somebody. I mean, that's not what it's right. about. Um, no. We're, we're, we're going to take a quick uh, news break here, uh, Manila, and on the other side of that, I'm going to ask you about some of the uh, interviews you've done and uh, who you've really kind of enjoyed uh, needling, and and who's uh, bear, who, what bear you enjoyed poking. So, uh, you're watching the Tyler Nixon Show. This is uh, TNT. TNT Radio News.
2: News break. Right. Right.
1: For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The U.S. has unveiled over 500 new sanctions against Russia in response to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine and the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny while in custody. For the first time in over 50 years, the United States has achieved a moon landing, albeit through robotic means. Communities in Western Australia's Northwest are preparing for the impact of a significant weather system expected to hit the coast as a tropical cyclone.
0: On air and on the app. I
1: listen on the app.
0: Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Back into the conversation with my guest, Manila Chan. Manila. Uh, There's been coverage this week. TNT did uh, uh, on ground coverage in London of Julian Assange's uh, uh, appeal hearing for his extradition to the United States. And we had John Kiriakou, uh, one of your former colleagues on yesterday. And uh, I'd mentioned, you know, interview subjects. you, you well let's I actually before you worked in Dubai for I guess eight years and and this was not political journalism uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience I was fascinated no,
3: actually it was just just over two years that's about as much as I could take okay. of them and they yeah. and they could take of me
1: <laughs> okay I' know where uh, I got eight from that that did sound like a long stretch yeah that's maybe you a, were with I, the your, maybe it was with the you were with the company you're working for for that long does that sound more?
3: No, no, I don't no, know where okay. the eight years came from. Although that is a, a lucky number um, in within Chinese culture, eight is good, okay, four is bad. Good. So, so I'll I'll accept the eight, but you know, as a correct matter of correction, it was just over two years in Dubai. But um, yeah, I, I won't go into too much detail. Let's just say I poked some poked some bears there. <laughs>
1: some powerful um, bears.
3: <laughs> some very powerful bears there. Uh, because I was I was there originally with uh, virgin media with Richard Branson's company and that's who sponsored me to go out there and, and ride the wave of as you know 2008 when when we were getting clobbered here economically um under the first year of Barack Obama um I went out there to kind of ride out the the disaster that was the first crush of the media wave in 2008 so I was out there um and kind of helped developed this this burgeoning media industry out there i mean i mean truly it was it was like the new frontier and as we know i mean dubai is obviously this very on the surface very glamorous um you know pearl of the desert as it's called um but they were they were very much so just starting out the whole media industry out there hmm. and um it was kind of the wild wild west there was kind of no rules not Nothing in writing per se, but unspoken rules of journalism where you kind of have to understand that there's a a cultural element and there are just some things you're not supposed to talk about because everything is beautiful in Dubai and everything is glamorous and glitzy and just just peachy, Tyler. And and
1: maybe maybe a little low key authoritarian, too, right?
3: (laughs) Totally low key.
1: And, well, so, you know, soft, tyranny, soft tyranny.
3: I mean, I. Who's to say some people don't like driving every hundred yards and seeing a giant picture of Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Maktoum?
1: Oh well, who? Just, I'm, I'm. Sign yeah. me up.
3: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, he's you know he's not hard on the eyes. So that's you know stuff like that. So so when I was out there, I I um primarily was supposed to do that lifestyle journalism that I really dreaded doing <laughs> in Los Angeles but here I found myself doing that but still it was a it was an amazing opportunity I will say that and and to see um really this this now what we know it to be this this international powerhouse right I mean Dubai has be- Dubai and, and the oh. greater UAE they've become really a key player in the Middle East in the course of you know in the past almost 20 years ago that I lived there um, so they've I watched them move from from position A, B, C, you know, all the way through to where they're at now, where they are in a very strong position of power. But back then, um I may have said some things, Tyler, in <laughs> in my um in my print journalism about, you know, human trafficking or prostitution or drugs or murders and things that oh. you're not supposed to talk about in the Great Kingdom. Where right. the temperature is never above fifty Celsius, because technically there's a law in the books that say um, construction workers have to stop working once it hits fifty. Um, and what do you know? We never hit, but we seldom yeah. ever hit fifty. Tyler, it's like um, like
1: Camelot, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, you just construction must keep going, but the law says if it hit fifty, um, construction must halt because. And I'm not saying there were, but I'm I'm saying because there were never. Any construction workers from Bangladesh that ever fell Drop off dead. buildings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because of from heat, heat exhaustion,
1: right, right. Gosh. I'm,
3: I'm saying, you know, that never happened.
1: No, no, I'm sure it's it was a it was a dream. It was a fiction. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was it, it's writing, very,
3: I, I was writing fiction.
1: <laughs> I find it very interesting. Uh, you know, they they are at least uh, look. I mean, I think all of every Arab. uh, culture society nation they there is a uh very much um hierarchy and like you said rules there are unspoken i mean it's you know it's cultural traditions it's i mean let's face it women are not exactly uh respected as equal equals in that in that culture in that society and but nevertheless it i think it's an example of what is possible for a society or, or a culture or a country that has that amount of wealth um and can but but at the same time doesn't have uh this sort of internecine necessarily um say like Islamic fundamentalist sects warring with each other. They don't have necessarily uh you know uh maybe regional designs or uh, any sort of dictatorial impulses that are that are over the top. They obviously just want to live in an opulent and create a gleaming a uh, glistening uh, right. amazing you know place on on the on the face of the planet and look i mean for what it's worth it's i mean it beats baghdad it beats uh, you know whatever <laughs> yeah. you know uh, whatever have you i mean anywhere else really i mean it, and it shows you that uh, all these other nations that have all this wealth and they accumulate it at the top yet uh you know it, all these all all the uh, conflicts that go on, um, and and the some, unfortunately some of the impulses, the radical impulses, whether it be uh, fundamentalism, religious fundamentalism, or just um, you know militarism or or dictatorship, really uh, re- hold back the progress of many of those countries. I mean, am, I, am oh, I? I agree. Am I right? I
3: I totally agree. I mean, you know, I I as a and as a loudmouth American. Um, yeah. As a loudmouth American when I was there and back then, you know, I was kind of in my late 20s and, and you know, when you're when you're in that age group, y- you kind of have a lot more bravado than you do in your mid 40s. You know, it's a little you're a different person, right? In your in your in your For 20s sure. than you are in your 40s and then your 50s and 60s. So um, I. I'll admit I'll be the first to admit that that bravado kind of led my drive into Writing about those things that were really not accepted, that are frowned upon culturally there, but because it, journalism is journalism and you're, you know, but at the same time, I did not respect the rule of their law and their culture. And I and I get that. And there is no First Amendment there, Tyler so- or
1: anywhere else in the world except here.
3: Right. There, There is no freedom of speech. There is no freedom of press. And I would argue that we're we have kind of sloughed away at that here in the United States as well, but not not so blatantly as you would as they would have it in, in Dubai or anywhere else in the world. I mean, the, anywhere else, they'll just tell you, no, you're not publishing that. Um, and, and there will be boards, you know, that approve, you know, the, the Ministry of Truth somewhere else will approve whether that or can be published or can be
1: more- they're more direct and brutal about it probably but right. you know it's just but here i mean you're i think you're right it's just is insidious and it's more it's more beneath the surface it's more about like censorship and suppression mm-hmm. than right. just out, right. outright you know like uh, spiking uh, stories and reporters which uh, is probably worse because it, it, you know better they'd be do it out in the open where you know where the see, right. skin see them coming
3: right and do it, and, doing and
1: it I, uh, beneath the surface
3: i never thought i would you know here i am 20 years later i would never expect that I would be on the other side of this. And, you know, I, I was angry for a long time for um, having to to leave my position and being not, you know, I was persona non grata there. Um, so I was very angry about that for a long time. Uh, but now, now that the U.S. has descended into this censorship empire of lies and illusion, and they're not even trying to hide that here anymore, I have a newfound respect for what I lived through in yeah. Dubai. I have I mean like you said, at least they did it out in the open. They had a talk with me and was like this is not acceptable here, blah blah blah. We don't have your first amendment. And looking back now in my, you know, mid 40s with my mid 40s lenses on and to see how far they have come in the 20 plus years since, you know, 20 years or so since I lived there how they've positioned themselves in, in you know the the economic and financial world how they position themselves the UAE that is in the geopolitical sphere in the sciences in and even culturally like you said there's no there's no fanatics there there's you don't see homelessness on the street there you don't see any confusion about what a man or what a woman is um there's they, Like people are 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 walking around and riding the subway or the metro without fear of being pushed into the onto the tracks. There's so the shoe is now on the other foot for me. And um looking back at that time, I'm just, you know, with my 27, 28, 29-year-old goggles on, I thought, well, this place is horrible. There's no protections here. There's, you know, what about the human rights? What about well now? looking back with my, you know, mid 40s glasses and I go, wow, Hmm. look at the human living conditions there. It's so much better than in downtown Los Angeles where I'm from. Wow. People aren't forced to sleep on the streets. Wow. There are no drug addicts hanging out at the corner before my kid turns the corner to go to school. Wow. What? What a great society they've actually built for themselves in in very short order. So, you know, whether we want to want to call Sheikh Mohammed, uh, you know, some sort of uh, dictatorial leader or whatever. I, they're, you know, all my friends that are still there still love it. I, I And I can't say that I I love well, what has happened to the United States.
1: There's something to be said for living in opulence and and having, I mean, no wants that aren't uh, taken care of, no needs that aren't taken care of. I mean, that that certainly lends itself to uh, lessening conflict and strife and, and uh, you know, uh, struggle. I mean, you know, in pain, which are the sources of people's uh, dysfunction, I think. Um, but uh, we have to take a quick commercial break, Manila, and I, you raise a really interesting larger topic that i like to get into on the other side of this. Uh, you're watching today's News Talk, The Tyler Nixon Show. Stay with us.
0: With his expert analysis and opinion,
1: this is TNT Radio's Timothy
2: Shea. Americans this week celebrated President's Day. Or did we? The answer, of course, is that we did not. We celebrated George Washington's birthday and possibly if you want to include Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, whose birthday, February 12th, was given up for Martin Luther King Day back in the 1980s. But we definitely did not celebrate Millard Fillmore and James Buchanan. We didn't celebrate Jimmy Carter or Bill Clinton. And we most definitely did not celebrate Barack Obama and Stumblebum Joe. Why does this matter? Am I just being picky and pedantic? No, it matters because words matter. George Orwell wrote, The slovenliness of our language makes it easier for us to have foolish thoughts. Put more colorfully, blurry words carry deplorable thinking the way that mosquitoes carry malaria. You should always question the dominant narrative, whether it's that standard time going into daylight savings time is an artifact from our agrarian past when in actuality farmers argued against it when the progressives put it in 110 years ago that the Republican Party and the Democrat Party flipped after the 1960s, when that's demonstrably false, and even that red is the Republican color and blue is the Democrat color, when again, the opposite is true. In fact, the opposite is always true, what the dominant narrative seems to be. So question the words or else you've lost the argument before it's even begun. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT.
1: Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at
3: HelpHeart.org.
0: When the whole world seems turned upside down, we sort through it together. Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk
1: TNT. Well, I, you know, I find this fascinating conversation, Manila. Uh, it's your perspective, as I said, is is very unique and different from you know typical people that I would talk to in politics or journalism, um, and you sort of you alluded to that the shift from your 20s now now let me get something clear you, you obviously resisted in your journalistic uh, efforts being uh directed suppressed censored whatever have you or having to be uh, constrained now were you were you personally like that way in your meaning like in your interactions with people were you also sort of like a re- rebellious defiant type of person or was that just strictly limited to your professional uh you know, professional pursuits.
3: No, I think that's just the kid my poor parents were were dealt. So, <laughs> I mean, okay, so, I was a, so go- you, I was a good were, student. Yeah. I was a good student. But on the flip side, I was also the kid that was like, Hey, you want to smoke this cigarette?
1: Yeah, yeah, Rebe- um, rebellious, right? You know. Yes. And I look. Let's face it. I mean, I, I, I totally am a kindred spirit in that. And I think that's 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 the people who you know, strive and succeed, or or you know, definitely go for the gold. Are the rebels? Are the people who are not just the cookie cutter like do as you know, right? Polishing the teacher's apple. And sometimes some 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 of us fail miserably and end up, you know, in a bad way. But others have great success. I mean, like Elon Musk is an example. I mean, I'm sure he was pretty rebellious guy uh, in terms of, uh, you know, just anybody who who wants to strike out on their own and be independent. Those are the people that we need uh, to be prominent in the world because they they inspire the desire to be free the desire to be independent the desire for distinction uh dis- you know individuation which is the opposite obviously of collectivism and this you know one size fits all let's just mash everybody they're all we're all just uh you know basically fungible goods in 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 the larger uh sort of global markets you know as, as like say maybe the wef and these uh global fascist um you know futurists as they call themselves would have would have human beings you know we could just be like uh you know stamped with barcodes and that's that's about yes. as uh as individuals you're ever going to get but um thomas jefferson i believe said i would rather suffer the uh the uh problems attendant to uh, too much liberty than that uh, uh, that would suffer or you would suffer from too little or too le- uh less liberty basically and i've just totally mangled that quote um <laughs> I'll, I'll get it off look it up and get it right next time but basically he's saying i'd rather you know deal with uh chaos the chaos of of you know uh maximum freedom than the orderly uh constraints of being you know tyrannized or being controlled and not having true liberty, whether it be of thought or movement or whatever. And, you know, you just, I think you perfectly touched on the tension where, you know, at the beginning, you're in your 20s, you're like, oh, this is awful. But then you realize that, okay, there are some, you know, if you don't have ordered liberty, if you don't have responsible liberty, then you get, unfortunately, what we're swinging to, which is like almost like hedonism uh, and rather than libertarian or liberty, it's libertine. It's just... Total degeneracy, you know, homeless. I mean, whatever, anything goes. You know, decriminalizing theft. I mean, just all the craziness that we see that just completely erodes a culture because nobody cares anymore. And who who wants to? You know, generally, it's like, oh, well, it's somebody else's problem. And I think this very much flowed out of the fact of charity becoming, you know, a, a matter of welfare, where it used to be these this country people got together and helped each other. And the community would, you know, uh, had like, there was na- a charity was handled by people who were uh, wealthy and philanthropic as well as just uh, uh, religious organizations. And when the government took it over, when Lyndon Johnson said, he, you know, he wanted basically, for lack of a better term, I'll have those, you know, what's voting democratic for the next 200 years by having them on this welfare, Uncle Sugar's welfare plantation. It's It's led to this inevitable degradation that we see, especially in the cities. And um you know, I I you mentioned obviously like, hey, it'd be nice to live in a uh uh a place that doesn't have all these problems, but you know, where do you see where do you see us striking a balance because we don't want to be obviously the totally well we're really not. I mean unfortunately we have, we have the worst of both worlds We have the big government Leviathan and all the problems of of a sort of libertine hedonistic degenerate society <sighs> where how how can we strike a balance? Where's the solution, Manila? In 30 oh seconds, God,
3: no, no, I'm Dad, I really don't have that answer. All I know is, I, I, I don't want our country to turn into this quasi-authoritarian with you know polish on it, as as the UAE or Dubai. Although they have a lot of, like I said, a lot of great qualities of, of qualities of life that I can I can point to and go, hey, how come we don't have that?
1: Yeah, but, great to visit, you know, right?
3: Right, great to visit, but you know. It, for some people maybe that fits for their lifestyle, great, good on them. Um for me for the for us here, we're born in the USA, raised in the USA and and this is where I plan on on living and dying and fighting for the freedoms that my family waited in line for years at the refugee camp. I don't want that to be for me, I don't want that to to go in vain, right? That they they suffered so that I could be here to be the first Kid, the first American. Um, although I, I think, that, like I said, I didn't grow up to become a doctor, so yeah.
1: <laughs> you're, you're, I don't know. You're good. You're good. Disappointment, no, a little bit. It's but <laughs> it's it's so American though for you to strike out and do something that's totally you know. Uh, uh, the, not the opposite of, but not in line with what your right ac- the expectations were, what your parents thought. You know, it's like and and right have may have had a really interesting and independent and uh, unique life yes. life out of it. You know, and and it's gotten to where you are. I mean, I think I think and uh, you can comment on this because you are directly the child of immigrants. Um, you know, it's interesting that unfortunately the current situation with the border wide open you can see people want to come to this country. I mean, they want to come in droves. Now, I think, unfortunately, we're in a situation where some people are being sent here and not for good reasons. And I hope we don't have to see something play out that validates that. But that being said, uh, people want to come to this country. They view it as, hey, this is I've made it. You know, I've made it if uh, I can get to the United States and get into the country. The problem is that leaving the border wide open is going to uh, eventually if we keep doing keep going down on this path, ensure that America is no longer the place that people want to come and will be, have been uh, uh completely de- degenerated and downgraded uh, and, you know, undermined subverted. Uh, I mean, what do you, are, I imagine you're probably like most legal immigrants or, or uh, you know, children of legal immigrants are totally against this wide open. Yeah. Uh, con- the, the invasion really is what it is. I mean, what do you, you know, you're, uh, you, you see it. You see what do you see happening here? I mean, is this a concerted plot? Is it just negligence? What's what gives?
3: Uh, first, let me just say that as the child of immigrants, the immigrants, the ones who immigrated legally are usually going to be the first to tell you that they do not approve of a wide open border because, one, they find it disrespectful that they went through the fire, jumped through the hoops, did everything right and waited their turn to do to come through the front door. Right. And and that's disrespectful to them for the for the millions upon millions of people that that helped found this very country of immigrants that did it the proper way. That is completely disrespectful to them, to the to the generations of legions of those people that 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 created this country. That's disrespectful to to them and the spirit of what this system was supposed to be. And as the child, the first American, the, the generation of, of first American born, when we see this, we go, well, we have a direct tie to this because our parents, I mean, it means so much for kids like me and you know, everyone of my generation to be the first one born in their family, born American. It means so much that we understand why what the value of this country was and even though we have all of these you know these so-called systemic problems um whether it's societal or within within uh, broken healthcare systems or whatever but that this country is still worth fighting for and worth continuing our generational line in this country we're not leaving and we're fighting for it and part of it is to rebel against this censorship um industrial complex that we're in part of it is to say uh we we don't believe in uh these endless forever wars because that money could be better spent for the people that are here and a lot of the people that are here are the ones that did come here legally because they've come here they've they've built this diverse culture that is america i mean not all americans look like you not all americans look like me not, everybody looks american right but for the, the Americans, the money should be taken taking care of Americans first. And I think a lot of ch- children of immigrants like me feel that way because they're seeing their parents, Social Security, you know, the, the parents who immigrated here and busted their humps to try to to put kids like me through college. They're they're now retired and seeing their Social Security, their Medicare getting cut And trimmed, and uh, because why? Well, why are we giving thousand dollar debit cards to the people that are coming through illegally? Why are why are why is there homeless on the street? Why is there we we don't have as as much as people like to think that we have this infinite amount of resources? Well, guess what? The resources come from taxpayers like you and me. We don't have an infinite um, a pool of resources. There is a finite amount. And some of it goes to the military. A lot of it goes to the military industrial complex. And the other part of it goes to all of these big bureaucracy, help everybody, even though they didn't come here the proper way, help them, too. But they get the bigger chunk than the people, the Americans that actually need it.
1: Yeah, right? it's great. It it's absolutely crazy. I mean, and, you know, I, I, it's really refreshing to hear this. Uh, from someone who is child of immigrants and, uh, you know, obviously you, you hold those values because I mean, I think it highlights the fundamental sort of deceit that we have uh, on the with this, uh, the globalist for, the forces of globalism that want to take down the United States. They don't want us to be a leader because of what we represent for all the people around the world who want to, again, have uh, individual liberty. They want to have distinction in their lives. They want to be they want to be some, more than just a, a number or a uh, you know a faceless whatever um, body for the for the global order for the, for the uh, you know the the overseers the masterminds and uh you know this this country the the immigrants who came here legally they above all even frankly more than many americans many natural you know born americans with of generations cherish and understand what makes this country great because you know, you, your family saw it at a distance and idealized it. And based on, you know, many realities of it, obviously we, had there, you know, a lot of it was real, probably some of it's uh, unfortunately becoming um, not real anymore where, you know, the ideal is slipping away. Um, we're not living up to being this shining city on the Hill as Ronald Reagan called us. And um, but, you know, the fact that the legal immigrants uh, the Democrats you know, these people would say that, "Oh, you're against immigration. You're racist. You're whatever the hell." When that's, I mean, you see so many legal, you know, people who came here and went through the process, obeyed the laws, followed it, and in and, and uh, frankly, uh, uh, acculturated themselves, uh, um, assimilated to this to this nation, and adopted our values, and you know, at least speak spoke a common language and understood what the Constitution is and what our civics are. Those are steps that like have just been totally eliminated. And it's insane because, I mean, that's the whole because in doing so, they're almost eliminating it for the rest of the citizens, too. If it's like, well, if we don't care about it. You know, if we don't care about it for people coming in. Why should we care about it for ourselves? Why maintain values at all? Um, but no, I, it's I, we have to uh, we have to wrap it up here, Manila. It's been a, a great conversation. Um, what do you what do you have to say in parting for this Friday? Well,
3: I hope you invite me back for another fun Friday talk, Tyler. I absolutely
1: you 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 know I will uh this has been uh the Tyler Nixon show for February 23rd 2024 my guest Manila Chan thank you so much for uh for coming on we'll have Manila back and I want to again wish my brother a happy 50th birthday and uh we'll see you next week here on uh the Tyler Nixon show on TNT today's news talk lighting the fuse for freedom